All right, welcome back to Rise Podcast, everyone. Whether it's your first time listening or a regular listener, whatever it is, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you on. And we're going to be discussing um, religion and relationship. You've probably often heard it spoken um, that many Christians proclaim to have a relationship with Christ rather than a religion with Christ or rather than being um, set to a certain religion or denomination or whatever it is. There's so many denominations out there. I don't even know how many denominations there are out there. There's so many different churches and that sort of thing. Um, and I think there's a lot of um, animosity when it comes to religion. But why would there be animosity towards religion? Um, in a lot of ways, religion is um, it is the belief, right, in like a supernatural um, force or God, I, I, I think is how they define it. <clears throat> on Google, but more than anything, it's it's like a certain set of rules, right, or practices, traditions, um, things of that nature, things that you do probably every day. Um, you have certain set times to to do um, prayer or or these other practices. It just depends on on the religion, and it depends on the um, denomination, and so on and so forth. But I'm going to read a little bit from um, from the book of James. It speaks so well on the correlation of religion and faith and, and that relationship aspect of it. So James 1.26, it says this, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless religion that god our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world so in verse 26 he's literally saying that this certain religion is worthless he goes as far as to say that this religion practice is worthless. But what is that? Someone who's calling themselves religious, and that to me alone can be a whole lot of things. Right? When someone calls himself religious, it a lot of times we throw out um, religion labels or even being a Christian, a follower of Christ, we throw this out like it's some kind of like label, right? You can put it in your in your Facebook bio, put that Bible verse in your Facebook bio, talk about how much of a proud Christian you are. You can share all the good sermons. You can know a couple of famous Bible verses. You can quote them. Um, but, but it's all like a label. It's like a t-shirt. It's like a hat. You're wearing it on the outside. 
You're showing the world on the outside what you're proclaiming to be, who you're proclaiming to follow. But what is on the inside? Because that's what Christ came to do, right? He called the Pharisees and the religious leaders, what did he call them? Vipers or, or rudes? Rubes? I, I don't even know what he called them. But basically he was telling them, you got all these rules and practices and stuff like that, which is okay. But the problem is, is that you're so focused on looking good on the outside that on the inside, you are literally rotting flesh on the inside. In your core, in your core, where God is literally hyper-focused with a microscope trying to do his good work, you're pushing him away because there are certain things on the inside. Excuse me. There are certain things on the inside that you got to work on that you have put up barriers and walls to protect whatever you got going on in the core and no one is allowed to look at that stuff. No one, including Christ. And a lot of times, it's not even because you don't want Christ to look at that. It's because you were literally taught that he doesn't have to. As long as you proclaim that you believe in God, as long as you associate yourself with Christianity, as long as you can quote a couple of Bible verses, as long as you can associate yourself with being a Christ follower, then that's quite good enough. But what did... What did Jesus say? He said, He said that you know the, the day is gonna come and, and people are gonna say, Lord, we prophesied you in your name. Lord, we did all these things in your name. And what did he say? He said, Um, for I do not I did not know you. Depart from me, for I never knew you, right? You evildoers. Depart from me, for I never knew you. And we just skip over that verse alone. Like the, like the key word is new, right? Knowing you. He didn't know you because you didn't invite him into your life. You didn't invite him into your core, your being, your soul. And the world taught you that it was good enough. It was okay. To just be a follower or proclaim to be a follower. Not being, but just proclaiming. Because anyone can do that. Anyone can say, I'm a follower of Christ. Anyone can put that Bible verse in, in their social media bios. Anyone can do this. Anyone can do a podcast. Right? The podcast doesn't make me a Christian. The podcast doesn't make me a follower of Christ. That's on the inside. But he's saying, I never knew you depart from me. I never knew you. Back to James 1.26. Those who consider themselves religious 
and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. So he's not saying anything else besides those who do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, not only do they deceive themselves, but their religion is worthless. You can, you can follow these rules. You can follow these traditions. But that doesn't give you favor with God. What Jesus Christ did on the cross and believing and having faith in what he did there, that is going to give you the righteousness of Christ. Not continuing the completed work of Jesus Christ. Failing to keep a tight rein on your tongue not only deceives yourself, but that religion is worthless. It seems kind of simple though, doesn't it? Like like keeping a tight rein on your tongue. But really, it's the most important thing out there. Because what does scripture say? I think it says something along the lines of you you speak life. Like whatever you speak that becomes um it it, it, it becomes alive i guess you would say right like your tongue is that powerful your words are that powerful that's why they, they say you know think before you speak you gotta have a tight rein on your tongue what are you saying to others what are you saying about god what are you saying to god what are you saying about yourself oops man i gotta and then after that, verse 27, religion that, our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So a religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I'm only saying this because there's so much debate alone on this. There's so much argument. There's so much animosity out there with um, with these thoughts on, well, we still got to follow the law. We still got to do this. We still got to do that. You know, we still have to keep the commandments we still gotta it's really about following the law but the big picture that we're missing here is yes those are the ten commandments that god gave to us but that does not save us the law is good and scripture itself says that the law is good it's always been good. The law is good. But the kicker is the law does not save you. Because you are a sinful person. And Jesus Christ already completed the law for you on the cross. So that doesn't mean 
get the law and throw it in the trash. No, because the law is still good. But if you think that following the law over Jesus Christ is going to save you, you're deceiving yourself. Because the religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Looking after orphans and widows in their distress. In their hard times and their low points and their good points. Looking after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Man, oh man. In this day and age, that is the challenge, my friends. Keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. How is that even possible, man? We got porn. We got movies and music that are consistently mocking Christ and talking about drugs, alcohol, sex, and money. We got... We got job environments that most of the time are condemning Christians, especially the ones that are trying to be open with their faith. We got the internet, which in and of itself, whether it's social media, Google, the comment section on anything that's going to basically spit in your face or laugh at you if you proclaim anything Christ-like. Good luck. And I'm not saying that as like, you know, good luck with being a Christ follower, but good luck with that. Because when we talk about being religious, when we talk about being a religious person, we take so, like, I, I feel like the world takes so much pride in that. Being a religious person, following the law to a T, following these traditions and, and you know, being a perfect doer. With Christ in the mixture, but you're still doing his work, his completed work. But just like it says here, oh my goodness, man. What is harder than these two things? Look after orphans and widows in their distress. That should be easy. It should be. <laughs> it just should be. It should be a... Uh, a no-brainer, just helping people out. But how hard is it to help someone out when you yourself need help? How hard is it to help someone out when you just had a bad day at work, and and someone, you know, God sends someone that needs help. How hard is it when you yourself need help, and He's sending someone for you to help? So realistically, the thing that we might seem as kind of easy, right? Like helping people out is like, dude, that's like the hardest thing to do sometimes. Other times it's very easy. It's very easy when we got tons of money. When we just got that fat tax return, bro, I'm totally down to go to go give some money to, to, to some people in need. Now I'm I'm ready to give some people some help. When I am wealthy, when I am taken care of, <laughs> when when I'm in a good mood, you know what I mean? When everything's going just great, I am totally willing to do that. But what happens when you need help? When you need help and God 
is sending someone that needs help your way. Ooh. <laughs> what happens when you hungry and he's sending someone to you that's hungry? What happens when you've been feeling anxious, when you've been feeling depressed, when you've been on level one and he sends someone your way that's been anxious and depressed and been on level one? Not only do I feel unqualified, not only do I feel like I can't give you the help when I need help myself, but God, I need help too. God, I'm hungry too. God, I'm broke too. <laughs> it becomes it becomes easy when our situation is easy. Right? And keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. Oh my goodness gracious, man. As Christians, I think the number one thing that we consistently take pride in are the obvious things, right? Don't curse. Don't watch porn. Don't 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 drink alcohol. Don't smoke. Don't be associated with unchrist-like things. But again, just like the religious aspect, right? On the outside, on the outside, it's easy to practice. It's not always easy to practice these things, but a lot of times it's what is on the forefront of our mind is practicing these things. And that's not saying that cursing and stuff is all great and good because, again, keeping a tight rein on that tongue is more so than, you know, not not boasting, but it's also, you know, it's all the same category as cursing and stuff, you know, keeping a tight rein on your tongue. But keeping yourself from being polluted by the world, keeping yourself already a sinful person, you're a born-again Christian, sure, but you're still a sinful person. You're still living in a sinful world. You still have temptations and desires. It's all around you 24-7. And once you give your life to Christ, the enemy is going to come at you like that. And he's going to tackle your, you know, he's going to go after your weaknesses. He's going to jot them down. He's going to do every single thing that he can do. Keeping yourself from being polluted by the world. Keeping yourself clean of pollution while you are swimming in a lake that has been dumped and dumped with pollution. Our focus is off. Our focus is not even there. Our focus is trying to achieve our own righteousness. Our focus is trying to imitate Christ as Christ himself, not Christ-like. But we are trying to achieve Christ's status. 
without putting our full faith in the work and the cross. But we are literally trying to do what he did and continue to do it, right? We're trying to complete the law. We're trying to be perfect. And it's saying, bro, you can't do that. There's a reason Jesus came and did what he did. Because we can't do that. We fail to do that. And us thinking that we won't, that we won't fail to do that, it's foolishness. It's deceitful. But the problem is now is that when you say that, people are saying, oh, so you should just throw the law away. Oh, so you shouldn't even try. So you shouldn't even try to imitate Christ. There's a difference between imitating Christ and trying to be Christ. Now, let me make this clear. We should do our very best to imitate Christ. What was Christ like, though? Was he loving? Yes. Did he show mercy? Yes. Was he perfection? Yes. But, but here's the thing. We aren't perfect. Imitate Christ to others. You know, showing them his loving mercy. There's a reason I, I combine the two, loving mercy. Because they go hand in hand. You know, the way I see it. Loving someone isn't just loving someone, enabling their their problems in their life, whatever path that they're walking on, but you're showing them mercy at the same time. Loving mercy. But anyway, we should imitate Christ, but we shouldn't strive to be uh, exactly who he was if that makes if, if if that makes sense I'm not saying I'm not saying don't try to be Christ-like don't try to follow in his image I'm just saying don't try to be the savior yourself because it ain't gonna work where we fall short of the glory of God His disciples were a great example. They all had their own problems. But he used people with problems. He used people that, that society didn't want to use. That the world around them didn't want to use. And the Savior said, I, I got plans for you. That doesn't mean, hey, you're going to be my... my uh, you're going to be another savior. No. There's only one savior. There's only room for one savior. But we imitate his behavior to the best of our abilities. We're going to fall short in a lot of places. But we should still try to imitate his loving nature. His merciful nature. Keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. I can't even say how hard that is, man.
that's that that's the difference to me right there religion you know i don't i don't have um necessarily a religion but it, it it's a relationship where he's guiding me while working on the inside of me he completed that work but now the work is to spread his good news the work is to be worked on and transformed from the inside out every single day I like this too. Uh, James chapter 3. Taming the tongue. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we should that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault is what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. That's great. But really, though, yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm really trying to get better with not editing this, not touching this, but keeping it genuine, keeping it authentic. You know, that's why there's a lot of pauses and stuff like that. But we're talking about religion and relationship. And like, like that verse said, James 1, 26 and 27. This isn't about labels. This isn't about following these practices and disregarding everything else. This isn't about, you know, knowing all the Bible verses. You should, you should study the Bible 100%. You should. You should. You should read God's Word. I mean, I had a conversation with a family member the other night. And um, she was like, you know, You've gotten to know the Bible quite well. And I was like, I mean, sure, but I don't yeah, I I know a few Bible verses decently well. I don't know a lot of it. I just read as much as I can. That doesn't make me a Christian. <laughs> that doesn't make me a Christ follower. You know what I mean? That doesn't I mean it, it attributes to it, absolutely. And it's working on me. But if I'm just reading it and I'm skimming through the lines and I'm just going out and saying, I read my Bible today. I read my Bible today. You know what that means? I got my new favorite verse now, so I'm going to put that in my Facebook bio. I'm going to take a picture of it and post that on Facebook to let people know who I am. Everything in this day and age with the internet and social media, every single thing is done for proof. Now you have to prove who you are. Now you have to prove what you're doing. Prove this. Prove that. Why? Are we trying to imitate Christ? 
Jesus never tried to prove himself. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when these people, when these religious people were like, hey, I need you to prove yourself, he was like, nah, only a wicked generation looks for a sign. And they will only be given the sign of Jonah. And how many people know about that, you know? We're supposed to imitate Christ. But the one we're trying to imitate never tried to prove himself. All the things that he ever did in his ministry, he never did it to prove who he was. And we're out here trying to prove how much of a Christian we are. Trying to prove how religious we are. Trying to prove how perfect we are. Trying to boast, not in our weaknesses, but in our successes. But it's like that verse, right? Part of the religion that God sees as perfect and faultless is looking after widows and orphans in their distress and keeping oneself polluted by the world. So we're trying to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world while we are trying to prove ourselves to the world. We're trying to prove how Christ-like we are, how Christian-like we are, when the world doesn't even care about Christianity. Or at least the gospel version. You know what I'm saying? And that to me is the difference between religion and relationship. Religion, it'll get you so far. But the relationship, I am required to accept him. I'm required, you know, I, I want him in my life every single day to work on me. And I want him to transform me from the inside out and to guide me. To guide me. Guide me, but also convict me. And, and I don't get that when, when I'm doing everything for my own righteousness. I don't get that when I don't see Christ's righteousness as enough for me. Because I'm not looking to be convicted. And that's part of allowing him into your daily life in a relationship aspect. Because it's not a job, right? It's, it's, it's not a position. It's not a label. It's not a title. It's a relationship. And when you're in a relationship with someone, you're communicating with them. And you're being strengthened by that person in some way, shape, or form. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that relationship is guidance and conviction of truth. So he's guiding me, but he's also convicting me. And I have to be humble enough to see that. And I have to be humble, humble enough to follow that conviction. Not striving, my, not striving for my self-righteousness, because I already have righteousness in the blood of Christ. And when it comes down to religion and following a certain set of practices, I feel like it only gets you so far. Especially without the relationship of Jesus Christ. And especially when you're not searching or when you're searching for your self-righteousness, then Jesus Christ, his work will never be enough. But the relationship... Allowing him into your life, allowing his guidance and allowing his conviction.
allowing him to transform you while allowing him to guide you through the different work that he wants you to do. But the two, two focuses on this episode. I think verse 27 was it, right? Yep, verse 27. So, so looking after orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself or and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's the focus, right? That's our journey. Helping out people in need. Helping out widows and orphans in their distress. And keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. But I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm trying to keep it raw. I'm trying to keep it genuine. I'm trying to keep it authentic. Not not a whole lot of editing. Actually, no editing at all, really. And just being myself. Just being real. But I hope this brings insight. Wherever you are however you're listening, whatever you're doing. I hope you got something from this. And I hope it brings some kind of insight of any sort. Whether you're new to the show or you've been listening to the show, I appreciate you. And keep on, we'll keep on doing this because it's it's a great thing. I love to do it. But until next time, I'll get at you guys with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I appreciate you. And until next time, thank you.